Christchurch, Baston Hill. Uh, my name's Tim Lomax, I'm the vicar here in Baston Hill, and it's uh, a pleasure for me to welcome you all here today. It's a privilege to be uh, leading this act of worship for us all this afternoon as we give thanks for the life of Adrian Maiden. Adrian loved the Lord, and certain of God's love for Adrian, we can celebrate his life and we can thank God for his goodness, even though we grieve because Adrian is no longer with us. So as we continue, let's take a moment to be silent and to recall our memories of Adrian. O God of life and conqueror of death, our help in every time of trouble, comfort us who mourn and give us grace to worship you that we may have sure and certain hope of eternal life and be able to put our whole trust in your goodness and mercy. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. The words for the hymns are in the order of service that you will have received on your way in. And so using that order of service, we stand and we sing our opening hymn in heavenly, sorry, O Lord my God, when I in awesome wonder.
Adrian was uh, born in Shrewsbury in 1936 and uh, has a brother, Greville. And growing up in the post-war years, which were obviously quite tough times, they stood him in good stead as a very resourceful DIY man. Um, He was educated in Shrewsbury School, where rowing became one of his passions. In fact, generally being on the water was one of his passions. And he uh, represented the school's second eight as stroke and often recalled beating the first eight. School was then followed by the National Service, where he served uh, in the Royal Navy and sailing the Norwegian coast, then the Mediterranean, where he was actually serving during the Suez Crisis in 1956. Adrian met Janet prior to National Service, and uh, something I didn't know until recently, he was in fact playing a hockey match, where Janet apparently swiped his shins with a hockey stick a number of times. And uh, regardless of this bruising, or maybe in fear of what might come if he didn't, uh, (laughs) uh, this bruising first encounter, they later married in 1959. He worked in insurance business for a number of years, and then later joined his father-in-law, Tony Brazier, in the commercial photography and developing and printing business. At that time it was known as West Midlands Photo Services and later Abbey Colour. And he worked there with energy, skill and enthusiasm and was prepared also to take the odd risk. All of this uh, combined to help expand the business considerably into a large regional, uh, regional photo printing business. He later saw Simon join the business uh, who ex- helped to expand the retail operations and latterly Giles also joined the company. Adrian became president of the Associated Photographic Laboratories for two years, which was a national organisation, as well as a two-year term as president of the local Chamber of Commerce and a member of the Shrewsbury Rotary Club. In the 60s, Janet and Adrian were blessed with three children, Helen, Simon and Giles, and later eight lovely grandchildren followed. Adrian loved his family and was very proud of them and always looked forward to exciting family holidays. Some adventure was involved nearly always, including sailing abroad on yacht flotillas around the Greek islands, which is where I met him for the first time and his lovely daughter, and racing uh, a sailing dinghy at Lake Bala and further sailing at Salcombe. Now his other passion was classic cars and he restored a uh, Rover P6, uh, a Fordson van, an old MG and also a Triumph Stag, showing them off at classic car shows and even driving on a classic car rally down to Budapest in Hungary and back with Janet as the navigator. And they got back, so well done Janet. (laughs) Adrian and Janet uh, together loved the Shropshire countryside walking many miles in England, Wales and abroad, often with old friends that uh, they both considered very special times. They frequently led church rambling groups on local walks, accompanied by their dogs that Adrian loved and always found so amusing. 
Soon after Adrian retired in 2002, he was diagnosed with Lewy body dementia. He was, however, still able to enjoy a limited lifestyle and eventually went to Mount House Nursing Home in February 2010, where he was well looked after and a valued resident, putting a smile on many of the people's faces while he was there. Throughout his life, Adrian had a strong Christian faith, which upheld him in many of life's traumas, and he was never afraid to acknowledge his faith to others. He gave many hours to church work, first at St John's Methodist Church in Shrewsbury, and latterly here at Christ Church in Baston Hill. Now his strong faith influenced the way he acted in business and was the foundation of his life. Thank you. I've got this image of Janet threatening to reach for the hockey stick throughout their married life. But <laughs> the three children, Adrian's three children, are going to pay, pay tribute to their father. Dad was a, a very easygoing, placid man who very rarely got angry and always took life in his stride. He had a fantastic sense of humour and we had loads and loads of laughs together and especially the fun times on our family holidays which have, we've always talked about for many years because you can guarantee some disastrous thing happened and it was usually Dad's fault. So, <laughs> um, talking about him hardly ever getting angry I do remember one incident when he did get really angry with me I hadn't got a clue what I still can't remember what I, I did to make him that angry but he chased me around the garden with a spade he didn't catch me and I'm sure if he had done he wouldn't have uh, he wouldn't have done anything to me <laughs> but um, dad wasn't a particularly demonstrative um, man in his physical affection to us but he, he had his affectionate pet names for all three of us. Giles was called Dids, short for Diddy Boots, which presumably came from when he was little and had small shoes or wellies. Simon was called Pars, or short for Parsley, who was the lion from the children's programme, The Herbs, which uh, he was very obviously fond, fond of. <laughs> um, Dad always called me Bists short for Bella Vista, meaning beautiful view, which um, was a lovely thing to think that's how my father saw me. And he always called me bests, you know, birthday cards and everything was always bests, and he'd say, watch your bests, bests. Hardly ever called me Helen, it was bests. So, and I, I loved that because it was his way of, it was his lovely affectionate pet name for me. Um, all three of us knew how much Dad loved us and, and was very proud of us growing up. And, and really, we are so fortunate to have grown up in the security of a loving father. And I'm very grateful for that. And I know he was especially proud of me because when he came to watch me in the orchestra, playing my cello, as I did for many years, because he, he had a real passion for classical music but he, he loved coming to those concerts and I, I loved having him there um, on the day dad died I hadn't long returned 
home and I'd spent some time with mum and dad because, you know, he, he took a while to pass away. Um, I had to go home because two of my sons were actually leaving to go their separate ways. So whilst I was waiting for them to pack their bags and say goodbye to them, I thought I'd sweep up a few leaves and debris in front of the house. And as I was doing it, I suddenly smiled to myself and thought, ah, this is what Dad would be doing now, sweeping. He loved sweeping, it was his passion, and he was actually quite obsessive about sweeping. He actually wore brushes out. <laughs> um, and Josh, my eldest one, when we were discussing this, says, oh yeah, I remember. When I used to go and stay with Grandma and Grandpa, Grandma would call you know, Grandpa in for tea, he'd walk up the drive, brush in hand, you know, and then pass the other window, brush in hand. <laughs> so it's a familiar memory for him. And, I, and also, and then I remembered um, probably those people who worked with him at Abbey Colour, he was also partial to sweeping the alley. And, you know, I don't know whether he swept the pavement outside, but he was often sweeping then. So I've got fond memories of that. Um, I'd just also like to thank all the nurses at Mount House. I know a couple are here today um, for the care that they gave Dad during the time he lived there. Um, and he loved the ladies looking after him, fussing over him, spoiling him. And I think his time there was as happy as it could have been considering the circumstances and his illness. Um, some of the last words I said to my dad were, Next time, Dad, I see you, you'll have a new mind and a new body, which as Christians is a fantastic hope and a promise that we have. I'd just like to finish um, with a verse from John 3:16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. That is what Dad believed and knew as a Christian. He believed that Jesus was the Son of God, and now he's experienced eternal life in the presence of God now. Thank you. I think I was very lucky because I spent a lot of time with my father. David Cameron said not so long back that a lot of the problems these days with young people are absent fathers. This had never been the case with my dad. He worked very hard running his own business, but he still had time to be with his family, and I would just like to share a few things with you. My dad had always been very keen on sailing, and my mum and dad sailed together for some time. I'm sure my mum was only doing this because she loved my father, and on some freezing days, when it was windy, he would have this habit of tipping her in. <laughs> Strangely enough, when I started getting taller and heavier, Mum thought it would be good bonding for me to take over from her. <laughs> Which would mean father and son bonding and me getting wet instead. We would race most weekends in the summer up at Bala. Dad still kept up his tradition of tipping us in. Due to the amount of times he tipped me in, I developed a technique of getting onto the centreboard without getting wet. But Dad was older and slower than me, so he ended up in the water, which was, which, which was only fair because he tipped me in anyway. I must admit his breaststroke improved over the next five years, but we still did win the odd trophy. 
Something I do remember is when I was at school, we had the county sailing championship. I was about 15 at the time and asked with a colleague to represent the school. Dad was there the whole two days watching every race and advising us on where we could improve and overall we came first in every race. Later I started working for my father in the family business which was called West Midland Photo Services which my grandfather had started and then it became Abbey Colour. I felt very privileged to be part of this company working for my father who was now the managing director. It was hard work at times but we had some very dedicated staff that were extremely loyal and my father always appreciated their input. We went on to open five photographic shops as well as, well as having a processing laboratory that was processing up to 1,300 films per day in the summer. I learned a great deal from working with my father. He was a true gentleman and always treated people in a manner he expected to be treated himself. He was always fair in his dealings with people and companies and if a situation did arise where I felt we had been dealt with in an unfair manner, he wouldn't get stressed about it like me. He would just deal with it and move on. Moving on from business, Helen, Giles and I all did things that would drive most parents mad. Helen smashed up a brand new Mini and, and Dad was checking his daughter was okay and then he would deal with it all the other issues that came along with relating to the crash. Giles at 12 thought he could start a car and move it so he could clean it. He started it in gear and the car smashed into a post. Again, he dealt with it once he knew nobody had been hurt. When I was 19, I had an important date and was using mum's car. Then I managed to wedge it against the wall I said, sorry, Dad, but I must go. I've got an important date. Again, he would just take control and deal with it. It didn't mean he was a pussycat as regards discipline because he knew when it was right, the right time to shout or if it was the right time to look at us and say, you clown, you know you shouldn't have done that. I will just finish by saying, Dad, thanks for everything. I will miss you. There are three brief things that I would like to say about Dad that I think encapsulate his spirit. Dad, the family man. Firstly, he was a family man, and as kids, my brother and sister knew we were loved. One of the things I remember about Dad was he was extremely practical and he could fix anything. I was in awe of him. Bob the Builder, eat your heart out. Best of all, he had a pioneering spirit and took us on some great holiday adventures well before the package holiday was invented. Examples include driving all the way to Spain in an old Ford Zephyr. I still remember sleeping in the footwell of the car at a campsite. Total luxury. <laughs> However, the best memories were where we seemed to have quite a few minor disasters on holiday involving boats, which I think you've heard already. There's a bit of a theme here. Dad was often at the heart of the chaos. On one canal boat holiday, 
I remember Dad lost his balance on a gangplank. With a swim inevitable, Dad attempted to dive off the gangplank to gain enough distance to avoid it hitting him on the head. He achieved this with one of his customary belly flops. He never mastered a dive in his life. The all-time classic was on a canal holiday in the Norfolk Broads, and I think you can see the the photo up there. It just gives you uh, an image of the Motley crew and Dad. Uh, That was in the late 70s. Um, Dad took a wrong turn up a waterway that was a dead end. Whilst trying to retreat the way we came, Dad managed to run the heavy narrowboat aground onto a sandbank. We were well and truly stranded. My ingenious grandfather came up with a cunning plan. Using his fly fishing skills and a rod, he cast a line to shore where the now gathering crowd attached a rope which was then reeled back to the boat and secured to it. Sometime later, about a dozen people in the adjacent field and a tractor with the aforementioned rope attached attempted a game of tug of war with a 40-ton barge. (laughs) They failed to move us an inch. I thought we were here for the rest of my life. (laughs) Fortunately, at the end of the waterway were a set of lock-type sluice gates As a last resort, the lock keeper opened them and consequently sent a mini tsunami down the waterway bed (laughs) to lift us off just before East Anglia was declared well and truly dry. (laughs) I would not be surprised if this episode was now part of local folklore. Anyway, Dad, thanks for the great memory. Dad, the businessman. I was once at a business client who said he had always liked dealing with Abby Culler dad's business as they had integrity that I believe was down to dad and how he liked to conduct business and I have to say feel very proud of him for this dad was very personable and gained a great deal of respect and confidence for his customers he could make conversations easily and often related trips to his customers back at home about their dog and how he had made a fuss of it in the back office or something that now seems trivial but show how he easily related to people. I think business matters just naturally followed on as an aside. Dad, I'm sure, would say that enjoying work and conducting business fairly was more important to him than profit. There's a picture up there that shows two of Dad's passions. One um, is the classic cars, and probably the greater passion was polishing them. Finally, Dad, a man of faith. Dad certainly had a strong faith. I would say a gentle one at that. And this really matched his gentle nature. One of my best lasting memories of Dad was when Mum and Dad came to Sunday lunch, literally only a few months ago, with me and my family. We were deliberating who should say grace, not even thinking of Dad to say it, when all of a sudden, Dad just broke forth in a prayer of heartfelt thanks to God. It was quite incredible and humbling, as even though Dad's mental functions had declined, his spirit could not be held back. And to me, that, was, that truly showed where the heart and the spirit of the man were. Almost to the end, Dad always had a smile, and what a blessing that was to me, and I'm sure to many other people. Although Dad has now gone, as a believer, I take encouragement from 2 Corinthians 5, and that Dad is now in his 
permanent home. The first verse reads, For we know that if our earthly house, this tent, is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. Thank you, Lord, for my dad. Thank you, all of you. Amazing words and uh, wonderful that you shared those memories with us. We're going to sing again now. A second hymn, In Heavenly Love Abiding. The first reading today is taken from Romans chapter 8, verses 31 to 39. What then shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, 
along with him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who is he that condemns? Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love from the love of Christ shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword as it is written for your sake we face death all day long we are considered as sheep to be slaughtered knowing all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us for I'm convinced that neither death nor life neither angels nor demons neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in creation, will be able to separate us from the love of God, that is Christ Jesus our Lord. The second reading today is taken from Psalm 121, verses 1 to 8. I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going, both now and evermore. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Jacob. Adrian is a fortunate man. He has something that money can't buy. The total loyalty of someone who loves him very, very much. And this loyalty, this total dependability, Janet, you showed him for many years as he did for you. But in these later years, Janet, you demonstrated your love and loyalty through constant care, attention and support through what was a terrible and debilitating illness for Adrian. And I told you that you demonstrated something of the loyalty and the total dependability of God's love when you stood by Adrian and cared for him as you did. Many, many years ago, a man called Abraham proved his utter loyalty by being willing to sacrifice his own son Isaac at God's command. And God said this about Abraham, You have not withheld your son from me, your only son. In the snippet from the book of the Bible called Romans that Jacob just read for us, chapter 8, the writer Paul borrows these very words that God said to Abraham. You have not withheld your son from us, your only son. Paul is telling 
the people that he wrote to and us here today to remember the greatest human example of a man's loyalty to God. And he says, God's love is like that. Just as Abraham was so loyal to God that he was prepared to give up his most treasured possession, God is so loyal to us that he's prepared to sacrifice his only son for us. For God so loved the world. So surely we can trust a loyalty like that for anything. No matter what we go through, no matter how dark life becomes, no matter how much we fear, our hearts are going to break into a million pieces. In God, we all have the total loyalty of someone who loves us very, very much. So much, in fact, that he gave his son who died and was raised to life, Paul tells us, so that we'll never be separated from him. And now, Jesus sits at God's right hand, Paul says. And even though this gives Jesus the right to condemn, to sit in judgment over us, he doesn't. Jesus isn't at God's right hand in order to act as the prosecuting barrister. He's there to plead for us. Paul is painting a picture of God for us. He isn't a tyrant of a judge. He's the lover of all. And this love, shown through the giving of his only son, shown through Jesus pleading our cause right now before God, means that it is utterly dependable. So much so, says Paul, that nothing can separate us from it. Nothing, nothing can separate us from the love of God given through Jesus Christ. Neither death, nor life, nor angels, or demons, neither the present or the future, nor any powers, neither height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation. Paul, with his song-like words, gives us a vision to bring light into our darkness. Hope where there is despair. Comfort where there is grief. He's telling each and every one of us that you can think of every imaginable thing that this world, or any world for that matter, can throw at you. Not one of these things is able to separate us from the love of God given in Jesus. Thank God for that. And that's why we know that Adrian is a fortunate man because debilitating illness and death have not been able to separate him from the loyalty, the total dependability of the love of God. And for each of us too, no matter what we are facing or we're going to face, for those who know God's love, then nothing, absolutely nothing, can separate us from it. Today and every day, I encourage us all to trust in God's love and allow it to make a life-changing difference to our fears, our worries 
and our struggles. And that's my prayer for Janet and the whole family and for everyone who grieves for Adrian at this time. That you'll know the reality of God's love in your life. Amen. Let's just bow our heads in prayer. With all that we've heard and thinking of Adrian, we can say with confidence, you have no more need of the sun by day, nor the brightness of the moon at night. God will be your eternal light. Your God will bathe you in splendor. Your sun will never go down. Your moon will never fade. I will be your eternal light. Amen. Bring us, O Lord, at our last awakening into the house and gate of heaven, to enter into that gate and dwell in that house, where there shall be no darkness nor dazzling, but one equal light. No noise, nor silence, but one equal music. No fears, nor hopes, but one equal possession. No ends, nor beginnings, but one equal eternity. In the habitation of thy glory and dominion, and world without end. Amen. Just a prayer of thanksgiving for Adrian. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us all with the gift of this earthly life, and has given to Adrian his span of years and gifts of character. God our Father, we thank you now for all his life, for every memory of love and joy for every good deed done by him and every sorrow shared with us. We thank you for his life and for his death. We thank you for the rest in Christ he now enjoys. We thank you for giving him to us. We thank you for the glory we shall one day share together and hear our prayer through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Gracious Father, in darkness and light, in trouble and in joy, help us to trust your love, to serve your purpose, and to praise your name. God our Father, we thank you that you have made each of one each one of us in your own image, and given us gifts and talents with which to serve you. We thank you for Adrian, the years we shared with him, the good we saw in him, the love we received from him. Now give us strength and courage to leave him in your care, confident in your promise of eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. And a prayer which we use this morning 
for the service at the crematorium. It is a prayer for the whole family. Your mighty power brings joy out of grief and life out of death. Look in mercy on Janet, Helen and John, Simon and Jackie, Giles and Libby, Josh, Sam, Joe, Jake, Jasmine, Jessica, Ethan, Alicia, Greville and Ruth, and all family members and friends who mourn. Give them patient faith in times of darkness and strengthen them with the knowledge of your love. Amen. The last prayer I'm going to use is both a prayer and a statement of fact. We remember, Lord, the slenderness of the thread which separates life from death and the suddenness with which it can be broken. Help us also to remember that on both sides of the division we are surrounded by your love. Persuade our hearts that when our dear ones die, neither we nor they are parted from you. In you may we find our peace, and in you be united with them in the glorious body of Christ, who has burst the bonds of death and is alive forevermore, our Saviour and theirs, forever and ever. Amen. Now let us all join together in the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, for ever and ever. Amen. I just want to say that in my heart I'm wearing a happy tie and a happy suit for Adrian. But my wife thought these were the most appropriate clothes and I'm a very obedient husband. <laughs> this is a parable of immortality. I'm standing on the seashore. A ship at my side spreads her white sails to the morning breeze and starts for the blue ocean. She's an object of beauty and strength. I stand and watch until at last she hangs like a speck of white cloud just where the sea and the sky come to mingle with each other. Then someone says, there she's gone. Gone where? Gone from my sight, that's all. She's just as large in mast and hull and spar as she was when she left my side. And just as able to bear her load of living freight 
to the place of destination. Her diminished size is in me, not in her. And just at the moment when someone at my side says, there she goes, there are other eyes watching her coming and their voices ready to take up the glad shout, here she comes!
before we go from here, a final prayer and blessing. May God, in his infinite love and mercy, bring the whole church, living and departed in the Lord Jesus, to a joyful resurrection and the fulfilment of his eternal kingdom. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit be with you and remain with you always. Amen.